Uh, my name is Bernard Sweeney. I'm joined with Declan Henry. Uh, we're going to talk about trauma. We're going to talk about mental health and various other aspects um, related to the human mind, I guess, and the human mentality. Uh, Declan is living in Kent, England. I believe he was born in Sligo. Ballymote, he lived. I went to New York for a little while. I was in England for a little while. I was born in Mayo and I moved to Sligo for a long time. So I'm going to let Declan explain exactly his skills and so on and so forth because I was going through them. I swear to you, they're, they go on forever. So I couldn't write them all down. But uh, I'll let Declan, you can introduce yourself, my friend, and tell us a bit about yourself. Hello, Bernard. Hello, Bernard. Yeah, hello, everybody. Nice nice to be on the, uh, on the podcast today. Yeah, um, what can I say, Bernard? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I was born in Ballymote in County Sligo. Um, I went to school in Tubbury and oh gosh, now I've lived in England quite a long time now, Bernard. I've, I've been over here since, oh God, 1986. So to be quite honest with you, I've probably lived long, well, I have lived longer outside Ireland than I have lived in, in Ireland, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah. but I have still, you know, I've, I've still retained um, my Irish roots, obviously. All my family are still in Ireland um what else and uh, you know i hope hopefully i hopefully you, you can um uh, detect an irish accent here um i i don't think i've developed too much of an english accent so <laughs> or at least over here everybody knows that i'm irish but you know sometimes when i, when I come to ireland <laughs> they, they confuse me and they think there's a, that, I, that that there's a bit of english in, in my accent but um i think you know i think i to me i think i still sound pretty irish so yeah i've been over here in england um bernard since 1986 um i'm yeah i went to university here i qualified as a social worker i went to to, to uni as a, a mature student and i've been a social worker now well, i've been qualified about 21 years but i kind of have been working in social work on and off since 1993 so yeah i've got quite quite a wealth of experience in social work and, and working with with many um disadvantaged groups um when i qualified as a social worker i worked in forensic men mental health for several years and and later in adult mental health uh in a you know in a community mental health team so yeah um a lot of experience with with working with um both both adults and young people with mental health issues um so yeah so quite a significant uh, uh experience in, in that field i remember when i was oh, about 20 years ago when i first got involved with the traveler organizations and i come from a traveler community uh what i call a colonial label because we had many mm. labels like that travelers tinkers mm. itinerants hedge people woods people box people that goes right back to the lands um but my first meeting with the most grand uh, sincere people and uh, lovely people uh, middle class uh doing their best um it reminded me later in life when i came across a quote by Ella watts and uh, it was something like uh, the monkey put the fish safely up in the tree from saving the fish from drowning I'm paraphrasing that now, but it was something to that effect. It mm. was like um, the road was paved with well, uh, the, the road to hell was paved with well intentions. With good intentions, indeed. Yeah. Yes. So a bit like that it was in some ways because they were on a different frequency. But I remember I meeting them and they got on well with them. And then I met more, and then I met more and more and more. And then it started to dawn on me that these people are quite systematic in their thinking. Um, you could start to pick traits out of them. A bit like when you see guards or army people, they carry them habits with them for quite a while. Um, it's programmed into them. Well, I yeah, they become up. quite institutionalized, really. 
Exactly. Um, on, on a fun note, sometimes I call them the middle rank people because they were the longest people in the systems. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> but I, had, I, I knew it was going to be conflict. I knew straight off that it was going to be conflict because their intentions was for the travellers to be fixed. There were some kind of social broker, broken group. To be civilised. Yeah, to be civil. I think that was the word. That was the word that was used. Uh, that's what I've been picking up in my research for my for my current book. Yes, yeah. And again, that that that, that literally came from the English conquest. It was to civilize Ireland. Um, yes. So yes. it kind of yeah. throughout that, and and it got me thinking. This is what put me into a kind of spiral because I fell out with the organisation as a very early age in it uh, because I, I said, look, do we keep getting us to do the things you want us to do? How is it possible we are the people we are? If we keep doing mm -hmm. the things you want us to do, so that kind of got me into thinking a lot about the whole settled traveller labels, because they're seen as, as mm -hmm. a broken social group that needed to be fixed. And most of us, like we went through a lot of trauma, particularly in my own family, particularly in other traveller families. And now later in life, when I know the history, you would say the whole island has gone through a lot of trauma and has never really dealt with it, never looked into it. But I knew at some stage back then that I was destined to meet a psychiatrist. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. And I suppose what a lot of people don't don't realise, Bernard, is that, you know, Ireland is a very, very dark history. And I suppose that really came across when I, um, one of the last books that I wrote, it was called Forbidden Fruit. And it was it kind of looked at life and Catholicism in contemporary Ireland. And this was kind of post-clerical sex abuse. And um, I think that really brought home to me for the first time, you know, the dark history that, that, that Ireland has, um, and especially, you know, the suppressed history around, um, you know, sex and, and violence and all sorts of things that, that, that we've, um, you know, managed to, to bury quite successfully until recent decades when, when things came to, a, you know, a head and, and really, you know, the, you know, the clerical sex abuse scandals were exposed and, you know all that, um, all that mm. misery, all that suffering that 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 came with that, and I suppose it kind of exposed the misery and the suffering that was never came to the surface. You know, you know, people from previous generations. You know, you, you know, they brought they brought horrific secrets to the to to their grave with them. That's that's absolutely correct. Um, I'm, I'm, when you're saying that, uh, because I come from the Trapper community, if people are interested in that or not. Um, connotations and uh, biases might pop up in your head because you're only seeing mostly negative um, things about travellers and that's what's been fed to the public. Now, mm -hmm. the last hundred years, we've gone through a scrutinating um, trauma process, uh, one of segregation, institutionalisation, uh, racism, discrimination, uh, and it's endless. Um, 1963 report uh, by the government was again to settleize the travellers. And again, this was based on 1922, the settlement of Dublin, which was based on the 1600s by the English called the Settlement of Ireland. So settled mm -hmm. really bang home with me for quite some time, I can tell you. It got, uh, dawned to me that settled, um, the whole settled thing didn't matter. It was, a, it was a label. There's no doubt about that. Because we would have had uh, people with the same surnames as ourselves in the settled community, but yet there was two distinct cultures. Now, again, I'll just give you a bit of a detail because now I know more than I had before because I spent a lifetime sort of seeking this out. And again, a bit like yourself, I think. And I think Sligo has something to do with it. But I had that innate curiosity because I was very young. I suspected that this world wasn't quite right. Um, one, they thought we were a broken, uneducated, unintelligent people. 
And yet we were come from a culture with uh, chieftains, kings, warriors. Sounds fantasy and it sounds like something that's in the books, but this was my life. My father was our chieftain, my granduncle was our king. And this has echoed out among other clans. Mm. So later in life, you look at, uh, back in history and you see all the same clan names, all the same patterns, all the same cultural traits. Uh, we'd been practicing things like Brehan Law without even knowing we were practicing Brehan Law. Um, so we had all that kind of honor-based society. But in the 60s, then a government decided these people need to be fixed. Uh, I suspect now it's because Dublin itself was an English colony long before the English had arrived. And they themselves were Anglo-Saxons, um, Ireland's men, they called themselves, so they would never call themselves Irish people. But it's an interesting one because earlier, I think it was off uh, phone, or maybe it was on it, that you are the Irish man, um, but in, yeah, you're an Irish man in England, but slightly with an English accent in Ireland. And yes. what happened Dublin recorded history was the English had come over and the people here would have been English themselves, uh, but they had an Irish accent. So the English seen them as Irish and they started to lose their kind of identity. So I don't want to complicate this, but in, say, 1922, um, they never changed any of these colonial systems. And Trinity College was founded uh, by Henry VIII, funded by his daughter Elizabeth, uh, Minute College. And all these colleges were English. The acts, the laws, the policies, uh, the landowning rights, the political setup were all constructs of English mentality. Mm-hmm. So I think this is where we came with a systematic fallout, because how Ireland was being treated by the English, how Catholics were treated by the Protestants, we were receiving the same treatments. Now, I mentioned earlier about the industrialization, 1963, segregated homes just for travelers, segregated yeah. schools just for travelers, segregated yeah. buses. Now, this is quite amazing. And then at one time I was in Dublin, I was told to F back to my own country. <laughs> yeah. So I knew there was something not quite right with this. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was this kind of dereliction of culture. And um, you're correct when you say, you know, when when people talk about the 1960s and I think it was there was a report that came out in 63. But you're absolutely right that that it didn't really start in the 60s. I think it became it was it became highlighted in the 60s by that report. But you're right. That went back way back into into the 20s after Ireland uh, became an independent, um, you know, gained independence. But you know, but the, but I suppose it's notable the dereliction of culture in travellers um, since the sixties, because you know I suppose the quest, you know, the aim was to to absorb travellers into mainstream society to make them settled. It was almost as if as if you needed to be rehabilitated, rehabilitated from what? Um, because I remember, I remember reading parts of that report, and they were shocked to find that travellers were. I mean, this is to tell you how, how shocking it is to be shocked at something that people were shocked to find out that these people were educated and intelligent. And a lot of the travellers were mobile tradespeople, as we had been for centuries. So they were well to do travellers. So yeah. I do genuinely believe that if Ireland was to maintain its Irishness, that they were the normal people, they were the default Irish. Well, then they would have to explain who are these group of people, these clans with various names that goes back hundreds, even thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Been genetically, uh, slightly genetic markers for 360 years, which would explain the Elizabethan conquest. So the equipment said, well, you also have genetic markers going back a thousand years. And we said that would make sense because we didn't marry just into anybody. 
clans even back then would have married into stronger clans. Um, yeah. You don't marry into people that's going to weaken that uh, clanship. Sounds the way it is, but that's yeah, how it was. The, yeah, well, they, were just, they, were just made, uh, they were just made feel displaced in their own country. They were just really made feel that they didn't belong there. Um, you know, they had to feel that, that shame about their identity. Um, and of course, that has, caused, that has caused enormous damage to, to, to both the traveling um, culture and really to the well-being and mental health of travelers. Because it was that shame that you, that you had to, um, feel, you, people were made to feel ashamed of their identity. You know, to, to, the, to the powers that be, you know, the traveling community, you know, that was seen as a poverty, you know, culture of poverty that had to That's be right. basically eliminated. Well, again, it, 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 really, goes, it, goes, it, goes, it well, really is a genocide. It, well, I call it now a psychological genocide because we're just literally dropping dead. But it, it, yes. that whole, yes. um, go back a bit further and you'll see again, I don't, I don't mind dragging up history, but it's all connected because once you're outside a settler mentality, our history isn't like the same way as settled people see history. They seem to yeah. see it as something that's well behind them, chopped up, timed, blocked, different variables, complex. Ours is a very living, living history. Um, so yeah, there, there was definitely something there with the history. When you go back to the penal laws, which was pretty much the same thing, uh, shaming people about their culture, their Irish language, their traditions, backward, wayward, despite mm. the fact that it was the Irish monks that had actually taught the English how to read and write and put spaces between their words. Mm. <laughs> mm, so yeah. we're far from these backward, unintelligent people, as of course the power of the beat would have us portrayed. So if, to me, it's like one continuous event. It's like colonization, imperialism, and capitalism is mm. still one event that's unchanged. But mm. then, yeah, and it also goes for Irish people that can find us in the, and the Irish Gaelic people. They get excluded. They get treated pretty bad. Even today comes arts or various other cultural things they'd like to do. They don't get them done. But they don't get us persecuted as travelers. Like we got um, apartheid systems and apartheid laws currently in Ireland used only against travelers. And these again are old English colonial laws. So I suppose you now you're wondering why am I always going on about colonization? <laughs> oh, I, you're pretty hot in it, Bernard. But you, but, but I, I must I must say you do know your stuff. You know your stuff far better than I know. Um, it, it's 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 incredibly interesting listening to you because uh, and it's incredibly difficult to actually to to argue against your narrative because what you're saying is 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 probably very very true. Or I suppose from you know from me as an author writing this book about about travelers about gypsies and travelers. You know, I was only thinking, you know, yesterday, um, you know, the you know, the, the, the terrible damage that Irish people have done against their own. And when I say their own, I, I'm include, you know, I, I'm referring to travelers because you are our own. You are part of who we are. You, you know, you, you know, we, we're, we're, you know, we're both Irish. Um, yeah. we, you know, we, we, we both have that shared, you know, bond together and, the, you know, well, there would have been time, no doubt about it. We would have been uh, pretty much one mentality. Um, yeah. But I, I take a bit of time for people to get their heads around this, and hopefully I can do this throughout the, uh, with the arts, is that we're yeah. not saying we're not Irish. We're not even saying we don't want to be connected or related to settled people. We're saying that the settled is a neurological colonial project uh, sprouted off by a guy called Edmund Spencer, English poet, specifically advising the government how to beat the Irish out of the Irish and change their mentality into an English one. So over yes. the 
period of time. We're talking about a psychological thing more than anything else. Now, mm. on the island of Ireland, nobody knew who travellers were. Nobody knew where travellers came from, um, so on and so forth. So if they didn't know that on a small island and call themselves Irish, that in itself is a form of trauma mm. or a denial that trauma ever had happened on the island. Mm. And again, it's not hold against would you, them. Would you, would you, and this is a question, Bernard, would you yeah. say, and again, you know, with me do, doing this research, would you say that there was less emphasis or there was less focus on travellers up until the 1960s? That up until the 1960s, did travellers live a relatively relaxed you know, life in Ireland, and I'm sure I'm sure it would be a difficult life, uh, as it was for for many settled people in that in that sense. Uh, you know, up until the 60s, I don't, I don't think that there was, a, you know, um, what was a wonderful history, uh, Declan, between for anyone. Well, what we say with travel. Remember, keep in mind that we're we're talking about Irish people in general, right? So the yeah. term traveller and, and settled uh, wouldn't have existed all of the time. There would have been a time we could have been well as being one people. But yeah, I've a clip there of a video of my granduncle, Ressy Saul, and he was speaking, and he was getting angry about it. He was getting angry because he talked about the really good times and the nice times and the best of times with the settled people, that the no doors were locked and, yes. go, and it was a great relationship. And I've heard every traveller ever since them age talk about the pre-60s and how times were different. Now, the history, um, because I have a great friend in science, yes. also, a geologist. And he was, think, he was talking about, uh, even when the English were trying to break down the clans, it was the rural Ireland that was looking after the gentry. And they would provide them with food and welcome them to their homes. And the English were writing back to the English government, telling them that the gentry were fighting with the English when the English tried to take the farms of the Irish. And the Irish were feeding the gentry. So there was a relationship over and back that went on for centuries, right up to the point of 1960. When we talk about the institutionalization of a people, we were othered. We had all our civil liberties stripped from us, uh, institutionalized, and that was a projection. And from then, um, relationship had gone very sour. Fear, anxiety. Um, and again, if you think about the industrial homes, one industrial home there, I believe, I think it was 46 travel children were brought into it. And within a few years, only two survived and 44 were dead. Um, others that came out they were in fits of rage, anger. They were beaten, they were molested, they were thrown to the streets, uh, went on to do horrible things. So this, again, was projecting this angry mm. mob traveller mentality. Um, it's, a, you know, it's a very sad and also very terrifying experience for people because the relationship, as you're, you, you'll probably come across this and you will uh, other times, that the relationship was really, really good between particularly the west of Ireland, not so much Dublin, because Dublin was an eastern colonial project anyway, the Pale and all that kind of stuff. And also, Bernard, it's the criminalisation of the nomadic lifestyle. You know, when you're bringing in an anti-trespassing act and things like that, well, Wow, that, that that really, really, yeah, what can you say? That really, really um, puts the icing on the cake, doesn't it? That makes things just, it almost really, really makes makes life as as difficult and as tough as possible. And well, so um, this, this is why I, I maintain is that in somehow or another, that the whole island of Ireland never came out of the colonial mode. Uh, again, remember the 1922 no systems. Yeah. And we're talking about systematic issues, really. So them laws are carryover from the English laws. I looked up the website of the uh, Justice Department and they were talking about the history of it. And the first five years they were using, using as the same name, the Home Office, uh, they were using the same administration as the English were using. 
So I guess in some ways that carryover uh, has projected as that Traders as the, almost the last of the Irish clans. Because settled people don't get persecuted if they maintain a settlery life. And the mm. whole houses and settlery wasn't really an Irish thing. It was an English thing. Fair enough, mm-hmm. the Normans brought the monasteries, but the English brought the houses and the settlements. I'm looking at some interesting history because we talk about the relationship in 1950. It was actually the Irish travellers who did a lot of good favours for the people during the famine. Because of our nomadic lifestyle, which wasn't always nomadic, it was part of a Celtic culture, but we also had castles. It was rich people that could travel, not poor people. Um, but back then, because of our uh, movement and we're a healthier people, we were allowed to do a lot more to help settle people because settled people were caged into little towns without running water and so on and so forth. So when a plague or a virus came along, it almost wiped these people out. Um, yes. So yeah, yeah. Wonderful relationship in many parts. Uh, but a very, very traumatised situation. Uh, yeah, I do believe Ireland is still traumatised and has never talked about it. It's actually in denial of it. Um, I suppose, yeah, and it's and it's inevitable that it is traumatized when you when you when you look at its history and and you know the yeah. the you know you mentioned the famine and the great suffering and so on and so forth and yeah really and and the poverty the poverty that that, that people experienced you know right up until the sixties and sometimes the seventies um, yeah. yeah it it you know I guess you know a post Celtic tiger and so on and so forth. People people very very easily forget about the past and the, and certainly they forget about their history. Um, and you know I think that the, the richer that that the people became in Ireland, the um, yeah they 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 they, for, they forgot they forgot they, they forget about their history and they forget about their people. And uh, you know obviously again the whole idea with the breaking down the Gaelic culture was to break down the clans. And by doing that was to break down the culture, their history, make them feel backwards, waywards. But forward that up a little bit because <clears throat> today, we look at the Americans, um, Australia, New Zealand, and all these other English speaking countries. And again, this is based on history, which is very interesting for me, is that the Virginian company, which pretty much founded the mentality of the Americans, because it's a very business class uh, mentality, the Americans. That company was developed here in Ireland at the expense of Irish people. The West Indies Company, again, a very colonial company, was by the same people that were developing it here in Ireland. <clears throat> mm. So there is that a linguistic connection. And if you go back into the English language, uh, the English language is about 1,500 years old, I believe. And it's a very brunt uh, first language. It's take, kill, sleep. Again, this is I don't, not against the English people. They were colonized themselves. And the English language also was chopped up uh, from other different languages. 20% of belong to the Normans, the French, the Portuguese, and so on and so forth. So at once I used to call it a Frankenstein's language because I was angry at it. It also seen <laughs> how as a, a, a language of diversity because it had different elements to it. And it could be a beautiful language. And when I say these things, I'm nothing against Irish settled people, nothing against the government, nothing against the English because the people to blame are dead 500 years. It's just nobody switched off the colonial machines or nobody wants to talk about them or address the colonization. Let me throw back a question to you because I know you were the author of seven books, which is quite impressive. I'm glad you didn't offer to send the seven books to me because it takes me forever to read them because of a lack of formal <laughs> education. But um, if you ever come in and know an audio book form, I most certainly will. Um, but you would have also worked with a group three Muslim background. Um, yes, it did. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, if you think about this, and I have thought about it, when I was growing up, um, the television was projecting 
Native American as savages, and it was okay to shoot them, that the people from India were backwards, that the Africans were just throwing spears at each other, and the African-Americans were criminals. Uh, yeah, that's people true, from yes. Afghanistan yep. were terrorists. Um, yeah. and it's like a real propaganda machine. And we would experience this in ourselves. Again, when I told you about the negativity that you will find if you go looking anything about travelers, because our history and identity has been swept, but you get all the negativity. So people see that to get fear-like anxiety. But I'm interesting, um, very interesting also about the Muslim culture uh, and culture just outside of the Western colonial world, because our similarities seem to align pretty well. No, absolutely, absolutely, and they were, you know, uh, you know, when I was writing the the book about about Islam, I actually, you know, especially in in, in today's world, Bernard, in the sense that there is so much Islamophobia and there's so much fear uh, and and hatred towards Muslims here in this country, um, in Britain, absolutely. Um, I know that we've had a few terrorist attacks, but it's pretty ingrained. There are there are people who have a strong distrust and dislike towards Muslims. Um, and of course, they'll be watching the, the news on the television and they'll be seeing what's happening on uh, uh, in, Af in, in Afghanistan. And of course, you know, that the kind of, again, they think that all Muslims are like that. Which they're not, oh, because you know, really, only a only a handful of Muslims are drawn towards, um, you know, extreme, um, you know, Islamic uh, is Islamist type of, you know, um, jihadi type of mentality, um, you know, and these are people, you know, who have misinterpreted the Quran and so on and so forth. But you know, to the to the to the vast majority of Muslims. You know that that concept is alien to them, and they, they certainly don't subscribe to that. But when altogether, um, the community, the Muslim community, they're kind of you know they're all basically tarred with the same brush. And I suppose yeah, in, in that way, you can you can compare it to to what travelers are going through because you know if one traveler does a bad thing, that kind of almost is uh, it becomes representative of the whole community. Whereas, you know, let's say if one traveler commits a serious crime, you know, people are inclined to think that it's endemic in the in the traveling community, whereas, you know, probably the vast majority of travelers are, are, are quite law-abiding, are probably as law-abiding as, 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 as other people are. Yeah, I suppose for me, uh, when I see, again, remember I mentioned about the Native Americans um, being portrayed one way. Uh, Africans been betrayed another way, and everybody else were the others. They were the inferiors, and the Western mentality was the superior. Yes. Um, yeah. So when I was looking at that, I suppose when you go to the, the Muslim, I know very little about. I'm not um, archaeologist or historian, any of that stuff. But there are three divisions within the Muslim world, I believe. Um, you know, three different kind of practices. Uh, but if you look at the Christian one, there's 33,000 different groups. Um, like political parties, Protestant, Presbyterians, I won't end them all out, but you get my point. Oh, um, and then the Quran right. so yeah. and the Bible were inspired on the Jewish faith. And no, the king That's of kings right. of all kings was taken from the Persian king. Yeah. So the Western world for me, you can go back to Rome, um, it was kind of like the privateers uh, had hijacked uh, Christianity and they had weaponized uh, Jesus Christ. Um, because if you were to go by the teachings of Muhammad or Jesus or Hare Krishna for that matter, any of these people, it's nothing uh, what they what we see in the modern the modern world. 
of colonial powers, how religion comes from wars and so on and so forth. Doesn't make sense for me. So mm -hmm. it goes by, for me, it always goes back to colonization because England, uh, France, and a few of these other European countries, I think they found Machiavelli, uh, his book, and they went just they went bonkers with it. Because <laughs> um, he was hell-bent on war and beat people down and nothing like a good old war. Um, so yeah, it goes from Rome right into your mobile phone at this stage, I think. For me, it's one continuation. Um, it has never stopped. And the Western world is hell-bent on individualization. From day one, you go into your classroom, put your hand up, put your hand down, uh, reward it, go into the next classroom, the next classroom, next school, and it's all individual success. Um, where outside of the Western world is far more oriented towards culture, family, and clans. Well, when, well, so, so therefore, uh, Bernard, when do you think that, that the tides will change? Because, you know, help me out here, I'm writing this book, and, um, you know, going back to growing up in Sligo, um, you know, when I when I grew up, when I went to primary primary school, national school, secondary school, I didn't know any travellers. I've left Ireland. Uh, I think I was 22 when I left, and I don't know any travellers. I've met more travellers in the last in the last 10 to 12 months when I've been researching this book than I have ever before in my life. It's it's, it's, it's a whole new it's a whole new experience to me because I didn't know any travellers in Ireland and it's not it's not that I um, grew up in a family that that, that hated travellers or so on and so forth that's there right just yeah. there just weren't yeah. any around well my best uh, friend I think with the exception my, my of one yeah. one family that I knew who lived on the roadside outside Charleston and County Mayo I did not see or come into contact with any other traveller and, and that's surprising because I think that in Sligo from, from my research and in the west of Ireland particularly I, I was over in Ireland recently and I interviewed lots of travellers in Donegal but I mean there, there's this quite a population of travellers in Mayo and Sligo so I don't know where they were in the 70s and 80s but um, they, uh, I didn't see them or maybe they were there but I, I didn't see them so as I here has been such a revealing experience for me and and, and, and you know, honestly uh, I'm really enjoying writing this book but it's easy for me to outline the problems this uh, and the social issues this, this, that I'm coming up with that's for example Bernard education yeah. you know 90% of young people young travelers still don't complete secondary education I think in your in one, one part of your introduction you, you, you talked about health and the, and the high mortality rates um, the accommodation issues we could talk about that for hours and um, uh, we've, we've touched upon suicide you know the high rates of suicide is it six seven times beyond the, the national average um, high rates of domestic violence LGBT issues, still a very, very touchy subject. So I can I can lay out all these issues, but what I want to do in this book, Bernard, is I want to kind of come up with what's the solution? How do we change this? Because let's hope that we're not sitting here in 20 years time and still saying 90% yeah. of traveler children don't complete secondary education. Well, Where do we break this? What's very cycle? interesting. About our past, what, what is yeah. our future going to be like? Well, one, nobody can live in the past. Two, nobody can live in the future. We can only live in the present. But if we mm -hmm. don't address our past, uh, and anyway, like if anybody walked into a specialist and they had trauma, they wouldn't put a plaster on their forehead and ask them to go ahead into the future. They would have to address what has happened in the past. 
Now, you've yes. mentioned, which is quite interesting, is that yeah. you've never learned or seen anything about travellers in the education system, where, no. again, no. I would say yeah. the reason so is because they're English education. And there were, there's a word actually I came across lately, if I can pronounce it, and I found it in a book. I didn't find it. I found it in the book, and I got the book in a second-hand shop there about two years ago. But since I had met you, I picked up the book again. It was uh, Sigmund Freud. I'm sure you've heard of him. No, indeed, <laughs> indeed, indeed. No. Um, but uh, the word was uh, uh, scotoma. Uh, I think it's S-C-O-T-O-T-R. I'll double-check. I'll send yes. it to you. And I tried to Google it. I couldn't find much about it. But basically the word in this book came from another philosopher of some kind. And it was wired to uh, not to see what was before you. So it was like... And that brought me right back to Trinity College and all these colleges. Because if these are Irish colleges and they know history and they know the social issues, mm. how come none of them knows where travellers came from on a very small island? And we're not an ethnic minority. We're an indigenous people. Do Roman you? gypsies are from India, well, other parts of the world. Would that indicate that there was just zero, zero investment into research or zero interest or both? But see, here's the interesting part, my friend, is that we go back a little bit. All of the Irish legends, Hugh O'Donnell, the O'Neills, all these great clans, they're our people. They're our culture. Mm. But since the 1600s, the English and the plantation imperialism changed the psyche of the island and the mentality into an English one. Again, hence all... But Bernard, the why, why do you think the Irish education system, obviously they, they teach Irish history, they teach Gaelic in schools, but why couldn't they incorporate that into the curriculum for everybody about GRT history? Because it's, it's, it's very noticeably absent. And what about, what about um, Gammon, the language? Well, um, see, that has been Gammon, totally excluded and, and uh, there's never ever been any investment in that, has there? Is, is, I'm going to maintain the course that the island and the settled mentality is a colonised mentality. It's a Western colonial construct. Because Ireland was never part of the Western world. It was an honour-based society, similar to Japan mm. and other parts. Irish yeah. travel culture, which stems from that culture, the Sweeney's, the Wards, McDonald's, the O'Donnell's, and we still carrying forth the same traits, the same habits, the same mentality as the people we're reading about now in the history books, which would tell us that we came from that timeline outside of the colonial world, and only up to the 1960s had the state pretty much systematically attacked us um, so I would say it's a, a, a divergence of psychological differences. Now, there are teaching about Irish history, but what do they teach about Irish history? The famine, that it's dark, it's miserable, don't go back there. It's almost like shaming them. Not <laughs> <going to history. laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's true. That's true when you mention it, absolutely. Let's teach us all about that, yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. That's, I do know quite yourself also, it's quite depressing, uh, isn't it? Yes. You'll find yeah. you'll find many people who go through life and they come out the other side feeling that they've been cheated out of something. Like yeah. you say a lot of people, I never taught that at school. They never taught me that or they never showed me that. And so later in life they might find out. So go back yeah. in, why did you not know? Why are the education systems um not teaching people about Irish culture? I mean, it is the famine. They do you know they, they do a um Every so often now they do this uh, ceremonial uh, remembrance of what happened to the people in the famine. But we're looking at them. We're saying, look, we're literally dying on the side of the roads. You're suppressing reports. There's people dying on wasteland where they've been on national radios crying out for help. The people of the famine, are we not any different from the people? Are we not the people? <laughs> and they still cannot feel. 
Uh, I know yeah. you're an ethnic group. Now, let me just explain about the ethnic part briefly, because it's an important one. If you take African-Americans, they are an ethnic minority. They were taken as a people from their motherland. So they were brought to America. Now they have no land, so they're an ethnic minority. The Native Americans are seen as an indigenous people because they came from the land. Now in Ireland, they've got the Traveller traveler and Roma strategy plan. They have stolen our identity and they've put us in as an ethnic minority. Hence, earlier I told you I was told to F back to my own country by a settled person uh, a few years ago. Because in their mind, we came from somewhere else and we had been othered for a very long time. And that was also the design of the the English carried over by the 1922 unchanged systems, othered. Mm. So you don't see us because you were wired not to see what was before you. So in earlier on, you mentioned that your family, it's not because your family had any prejudices or issues. And we've seen this a million times. It is the truth. I grew up in Saigo, one of the greatest archaeologists now, because I'm pretty convinced with the cultures, the mentalities. But we already did. And we grew up in the same town. And we're pretty, pretty good friends now. But we grew up in the same town in different worlds, you could say. And it's not because yeah. he's probably learning against travellers. He said, we didn't know. They didn't tell us anything in the schools. And anything you would see was negative. So to me, you, you, you'll probably go bonkers eventually, me here talking about colonisation. But as far as I'm concerned, the only way we can move forward, if we step outside of the colonial mentality and we address it like human beings, Bernard, when do you think that will happen? Because I mean, we're not, we, we shouldn't be in the grips of, of this any longer. Um, you know, we're a free state now um, and have been for a long time. When, obviously, obviously that's kind of well, almost free, in, free, yeah, inject, free for who injected into our, our DNA. Uh, but w when are we going to clean our DNA? I think it comes down again to uh, just talking. Um, well, like I said to you, I started up a group called Transvision. You can hear my alarm in the background now with my procedural law. <laughs> um, Basically, I think with Transvision, which is a group I'm trying to set up, is to look at the arts. Because we're not doing any blaming. We're not blaming the settled people. And we're not going to continue to live with this shame that they've been uh, embedded into our people, that there was something wrong with us, innately wrong with us. When we know that we're not, that we came from great people. We are great people. Um, so I think with the arts, we're going to address the whole nation colonization of Ireland. Uh, because you cannot be Irish using colonial systems. You cannot be Irish using English acts and laws and literally destroying people that are Irish, are indigenous from the island. And the same practices that were used against the Irish by the English are now used today by the settled people claiming to be Irish against the Irish travellers. So for me, yes. I think we'll have to get you back here, my friend, because... We need to do a, a kind of a Dr. Phil uh, national uh, decolonization of the island. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know Dr. Phil is not a real doctor at all? Yeah. I was shocked no. when I heard that. Talk about messing with people's heads. <laughs> he's a doctor, but he's not a psychiatrist. So he's not a counselor for that matter. Yeah. Um, anyway, I thought I'd throw that in there. Um, yeah, look, I'm very interested in what you're doing. I've no doubt you're picking up an interest in learning also from the traveler side. And that's one of those things. We are psychologically messed up. We've been battered and bruised and kicked around the place for a very long time. We've been taken advantage by many, many different groups, even today with our travel organizations. You have, but I, I think what's coming across really, really strongly in my research, Bernard, and you'll be pleased to hear this, is, is your resilience. Your resilience is, is so steadfast. Um, you guys are going nowhere. So, um, yeah, 
your resilience is is is, is your is 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 your is your key ammunition. It's your key strength, and long may it continue. Because um, well, I don't think yeah. it's going to last much longer, my friend. Because I mean, I, we've got we were riddled with suicides uh, within ten days within Sligo and Mayo. Uh, nine young travellers have taken their lives in ten yeah. days. Yeah. I know yeah. a woman who has seven siblings that took their lives. Good friend of mine's cousin. She lost so many family members, and all of this has been suppressed. Um, it's blended in all way. We all everybody's got issues, and we're on the same boat now. We're trying to say we're not on the same boat. And actually, in fact, we don't want to be on your boat. Give us the means and support yeah. and let us show you who we are and what we can do instead of getting us to perform. We've got an 84% mainstream unemployment. 11% uh, yeah. of death is caused by suicide. We've got a yeah. political death sentence of a life expectancy of 65 and barely many make it to 50. So we are resilient people. And in our history, actually, yeah. it again, we had a meeting with the Pope's advisor, Francesca something, or I think it's Francesca, it just sounds Italian. But basically, uh, we were our ancestors were telling the Pope's advisor that we thought the English were barbaric, that they wanted to chop up lands, destroy the uh, woods and forests. And then we said that their language was uh, gobbledygook. So they, it was a chopped up language. <laughs> and nothing against the English, I swear to you. For me, it's a bit of humor also, because, uh, we understand that it's not the settled people's fault. It's not the town's people. It's not the rural people. Uh, it's a systematic problem. And unless yeah, likewise, likewise, the settled people, as it were, that they, they were victims of that, as as of as uh, in that sense. But yeah, but you know, I suppose they've they've you know they, you know there's this saying, Bernard. You know, sometimes you know the the, the bullet becomes the uh, becomes a bully. Um, well, so, it also goes into saying, my friend, the oppressed becomes the oppressors. Um, yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, I've yeah, seen a, yeah. a prime example of that. I, I take it as a prime example without giving any antagonization or offense to anyone. Is that if you take the Jewish community throughout the history of the Western world, long before Hitler, they have been persecuted for centuries, let alone the World War II. And then you see the situation say, in Israel, where that fear where once you're oppressed are now becoming the oppressors of another people. Uh, and we've mm. seen that, you'll see that in history time after time. So again, it goes back into the, like a Stockholm syndrome. It goes back into, uh, yeah, it's psychological. There's no doubt about it. Um, and these, what, what you do is in the area of psychological dealings, uh, we're getting psychologically destroyed, despite the fact having physically strong travelers who are world champions in different sports, uh, still upbeat, yeah. But psychologically, we're being driven off the edges, left, right, and centre, uh, because we are being forced into an identity that's not ours. We're told we're an ethnic group or similar to the Roma, which is nothing wrong with the Roma. You have their own wonderful culture, but you have different history and origins. Uh, so we're of being wiped off absolutely. the island, uh, and that's psychological. They just, they just think that there are there are there are some similarities in that nomadic lifestyle but you're absolutely right the origins and the culture and the, the the heritage is is yeah it's it's so distinct so distinct but just going back bernard i wanted to say that a couple of weeks ago with with thomas mccann from the traveling counseling service about two weeks ago and you know he, you know the service it's not just based in dublin it's really really expanding bernard i think it's a, it's available now they've rolled out um to 15 counties in total and and increasing um, and I think that that offers great hope that, you know, the counselling service itself, I think he said, um, Thomas said that 70% are actually self-referrals. 
uh, and that there's you know you know historically not just travelers uh, are not yeah I think men in general you know are pretty pretty poor about talking about their feelings and going to a council or whatever. You know, I think that's that's a, that's across all societies and all types of people, but um, I think that it's encouraging that seventy percent, you know, are, ref- are actually self referrals, and that you know that's probably the best type of referral when somebody is referring themselves rather than getting a social worker or Absolutely. an outreach worker to 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 uh, to send you off. Well, I um, think, I think- there's, there's a lot to be said on that, my friend. And again, it's, I know Thomas, wonderful human being, and um, I'm also involved the last twenty years where we've seen the psychological decline of Irish travellers. In other words, we're dying younger than our previous generations, self harm yeah. and all that. Um, my issue, I suppose, was what would we talk about? Now, I mean, it's good to talk. But if you were going into someone who may be subconsciously or consciously your oppressor, what would you talk about? If we talk about history, we get shut down. If we get talk about culture, we get shut down. So we end up talking, yeah, uh, we're talking, we're not talking to a system in some ways uh, that does not understand us, well, that I- could not possibly understand us in many ways. It's not yeah. again to take any way for the. But I think with the with, with the traveling counselling service, uh, Bernard. I mean, it, it is they are culturally uh, appropriate interventions. I mean, these are uh, more often than not these are by by travellers themselves who have qualified as counsellors. Yeah. Well, so, uh, for me, and I, I this what gets me into so much trouble with uh, with uh, everyone at a certain point. Is it, it's like if you were in a system, uh, the psychology of the system itself, and you learn from that system, you'll end up seeing through the lens of that system. Um, so again, we're losing something and when it comes to identities. Which one is the Irish identity? Is it the one still using all the colonial systems? Or is it the one that is from the west of Ireland, the Irish speakers, Celtic areas, Irish travellers? And isn't that really the conflict we're having? Uh, because could, one, it, could, it, could it not be a combination of all of them? Well, I think it should be, but we, we keep getting excluded. Now, we're coming to a United Ireland uh, conversation, and I think it's vitally important that at least we're a part of that, because Dublin has their own unique identity. Not many people in Ireland know this. There's a guy, um, Ellis, his name is, just Google the English Pale, and he'll pop up, and he does a brilliant talk about identity and how the Irish pretty much stole, oh, sorry, how the English stole the Irish identity and pass them off as themselves as Irish. So that's the big big historical issue for me. But what's what's the answer? Please tell me the answer before we finish this uh, about mental health and counselling. I mean, if 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 you if you don't recommend Bernard that people go and see counsellors, I mean, how? Oh no, how, that's all. Oh, yeah, sorry, I'm not suggesting. How how, how how are you going to bring down those suicide rates if it's not if, if people aren't talking about about the issues that are, that have caused them such great stress and and uh, and trauma? I mean, what's what, what's the answer? Well, what do you teach you in any um, aspect of dealing with trauma? First of all, you have to understand the trauma. You can't mm-hmm. avoid it. You can't sweep mm-hmm. it under the carpet. You can't ask somebody to live in the future and move on. Mm-hmm. You have to literally go through it. You would and not just, not, one ju- way. Not, just go, not just go to the GP and be pawned off with a few anti, antidepressants or whatever, because that just, that just masks what you're feeling. Absolutely. I, I went through many feeling these emotions most of my life because, like I said, I ended up getting a conflict because I felt my way of seeing this uh, was a bit different from everybody else's at the time. Uh, not making myself unique in that sense, but yeah. I sensed, I felt it. I mean, at a very young age, you're at the back of the class. You're talking to people 
who project you as inferior and you're looking at them and they're not the most intelligent people in the world, but because they have a psychological belief of inferior or superiority over you, yeah. they default uh, more intelligent. You're made, you're made to feel that you have that devalued identity, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I it's think going, the only time we can really resolve this is when we start talking about Irish identity, what happened on the island, the colonization, the trauma, the systematic abuses, the clergy, the clergy involvement because it's a colonial imperial, imperial mentality, and all yeah. these aspects. It's not complex. It's something happened in the 1600s. It did not stop happening for Irish travelers. 1922 has proven that. So we're yeah. really talking about let's all sit down together and talk about all our shared trauma because none of us can really move forward because we keep repeating the same things over and over. And what, what... That's and that's good that you said that. So, so Bernard, um, where where do you think we'll be in ten or fifteen years' time? Where where do you think the discussion? What do you think the main theme of the discussion will be? I think uh, I'm hoping in some way or another because I grew up and I've seen African Americans on TV. I could connect with that. If you had a an African only bus to school and we did travel one, I could relate to that. When the Native Americans were called savages and Indians, we could relate to that. Yeah. So we. Could all these other communities within a Western colonial mentality and all the other groups are, are others. Now look at the Native American statistics. Look at the African-American statistics. Look at the Aborigine statistics. Look at Irish travel statistics. They are all on par. So we're trying to say is that the Western colonial mentality is a colonized mentality, a trauma-filled uh, mentality that can't help themselves because it's become systematic over five centuries. It's, you know, getting on with the job, um, playing the role, and honestly talk about Ireland as a beginning point, because we were the first um, island to be colonised by the English, before the English went to the Americans and the West Indies and so on and so forth. So we know as Irish travellers, as the last standing Irish clans, is that we know our trauma, but nobody's going to want to listen to it. So I think we have a difficulty there, but arts um, may well change all of that, movies, documentaries. Mm -hmm. It change all that. Yeah, but yeah, when you say people don't want to listen to it, you know, one of the one of the things that's coming across for me in, in this piece of research, uh, um, Bernard, is that um, so many travellers don't want to speak to me, and it's not just travellers; it's across the board. So uh, Roma, Roma, and Gypsies as well. I don't blame the GRT community. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, and you know the thing, and I've got good, I've, I have a good success race, and I've certainly probably have 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 spoken to representatives from all of the communities and professionals working in all of the communities. I've probably I, at this stage, I probably have enough to write a book, but I'll tell you this much: it has been hard slog because the door has been shut in my face more often than not, um, and I appreciate, I, 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 I fully appreciate the reasons that this you know travelers and gypsies that have been so misrepresented in yeah, the media that's the they only have reason been so slagged off left right and center they've been so tricked and lied to and uh, I, I get all that but for things to change bernard um your voice has to be heard now it's more important that your voice is heard now than ever before um, oh, absolutely. Well, I'll just give you another example, my friend, about the mistrust and why travellers are so backing down and beaten down. Um, a lot of the top musicians in Ireland had borrowed a lot of the songs of travellers. Um, I never give them credit for it. Uh, they had taken yeah, um, that's, you know, so that's much from travellers yeah. for such yeah. a long time that it's like every time these settled people come to us, they come with the intention of 
they fixing holes, but yet they cannot see their own trauma or that they are a subculture of an English mentality and we're not the others, we're not different, we didn't come from somewhere else. Until the certain people get that into their own heads, um, of course there'll be a mistrust. Now you look at some of the tribal organisations with no disrespect to them, they are ran by middle class settled people and the programmes and the offices and everything else was designed from a settled mentality. So there's nothing in there that resembles Irish travel culture and so on and so forth. They're doing programs, but statistically and factually over the last 50 years, worse, worse and worse it's been getting because it's psychological. They will not give us the means for an autonomous type setup where we can to explore our own language, our own culture, our own traditions. And we say our own. And do, but do, do, you, do you not think, Bernard, that if, if these organisations, I mean, nearly every county has one of these organisations, do you, do you think that if these organisations didn't exist, there's the things, we wouldn't, I think, I think a lot of things would be far worse for, for travellers. If, if How far worse would it be when you look at our statistics, my friend? Like I said, the physical element... Well, that's true. That's true when you look, especially around accommodation. Wow. Yeah. That's... Fix that one if, you, if, if, if you're good at fixing problems. I mean, that's... Yeah. It's a but huge... It's like a, you, you'll find this frustration yourself, my friend, uh, because I've seen this over the years. It wouldn't matter if the government said, here's five billion euros. Here, sort it out. They do not know what to do with it because they have us all in the same program, repetitive programs. Now, you take some of these national organizations, they have middle class settled people running them organizations for 30 and 35 years and never give up their positions of power, never even change from the chairperson. They have some have private AGMs, hand picking travelers, excluding travelers that talk up, speak out. So, we are, we're getting the left, right, and center back no, here. Right, okay. Um, well, that's, that's, that's not right. Yeah. Now, if you yeah, don't take words from, yeah. from that, you look into that yourself, go to them, speak to them. And you'll also find that most of these national organizations are based in Dublin. You'll find that the travelers involved are not running them, but they are pretty much one family involved with them all. So this includes other families, other travelers who will not go to mm. these people. And you'll see. So you're not the collective voice, you're saying. Yeah, there, there's no representation. There's no democracy. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we can't say we would like to elect Joe Blog to represent us on issues. Not happening. They're getting handpicked. And the ones that are getting handpicked are people who went into the education system. They might have a degree here and there. But again, when you weigh it all up against the statistics, the declining psychological torture of people, none of that is having a positive impact. Where we did have longer life in previous generations, we'd have physically worse, but psychologically better. Now we have it physically a little bit better, but psychologically far, it's terrible, far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh think we dear! Need yeah. My <laughs> well, what can I say? What can I say, Bernard? Is that I've, I've re I'm really enjoying writing this book. I really, really hope that I kind of do some type of justice to, to uh, you know, to the subject. Um, I think yeah, but it's 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 certainly, and I certainly didn't realise it um, before I started doing the research. There's far more to this than than meets the eye, and. Um, yeah. That's a good, that's good. And I, I think I think because you have that innate curiosity, I don't think I'll give up too easy. Uh, it doesn't mean that we're victims all along and excuses for all our bad habits and behaviours. But when you're in an environment that is not yours and you're being hostility, or the hostility being instilled into our children day in, day out, and yeah, we go yeah. up It's so destroying, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's so yeah. destroying. Uh, we know Because you can't be yourself. You can't, you can't live 
true authentic lives yeah absolutely you you're constantly scratching against the grain yeah i think um we'll talk again i have no doubt about that um well when this book comes out next year bernard i'm more than more than willing to have another chat with you and to go through with you what i discovered and what i didn't discover and 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 yeah but as i said i'm all about i'm all about solutions it's no good just writing about a problem and as i said the book isn't really it is certainly it most certainly isn't to slag you guys off or to slag the grt community but that that would be an easy book to write because you know well, Bernard, so we, we, we don't mind you, someone's we're used to us but um to, to used to, and it'd be easy for me to write you because there's plenty of participants out there that i could get hold of that would give me stuff that would that would you know uh, you yeah. know yeah. bad mouth you guys <laughs> yeah of course we look at it at the same time but, now i think because of yeah. knowledge because we are learning more and more is that we're going to change this kind regardless it's unavoidable because the world yeah. the western world needs something because they're destroying the plan of their individualism and yeah. their colonization of colonial yeah. companies and so on yeah. and so forth so the world needs something different and we yeah. um, Given that we're the first people who are colonized by the English and dearly connected with the Muslims and the African communities um, and the various other communities around the world, because we are outside that colonial mentality. So I think we are going to change it one way or the other with the arts, with movies, with documentaries. And we're going to rescue the Irish settled. We're going to expose the settled Irish in a nice way, because they too are traumatized. I call them the Cuckoo Clan. <laughs> they came from a dramatic tribe. And what they do all the world, it's called the Anglo-Saxon, like you think about it. Anglo-Americans, Anglo-Australians, Anglo-Irish, Anglo-Chinese. Come on. These Anglos have popped into very This is going to be quite a revolution. Oh no, we're done with the revolutions. That that's um I like the I like the, the, the left and I don't particularly too fond of the right. I'm not particularly fond of central politics either, because they're all different programs operating on the same mentality. So they'll end up doing yeah. the same thing over and over and over again anyway. So I don't think really. yeah. all the revolution comes in the forms of arts. Yeah, let's go. Let's do that. Yeah. Excellent. It was an absolute pleasure speaking to you, my friend. Oh, good. I, I, I'm glad. I, I mean, I hope that's some use to you because, because um, God, you're a great talker yourself, uh, Bernard. Um, yeah, you certainly know your stuff. You, you know your stuff far better than I do. Well, you know, it's one of those I'm things. A, I'm, a, I'm a victim of this. <laughs> all of us are. All of us, not just travelers. Also, um, English yeah. are the biggest victims because, like I said, yeah. Yeah, they were yeah. colonized themselves. The whole British English identity are two of different course. identities. Yeah, they always looked down on us yeah, as being the the uncivilized. And you know, that's probably still in so many English people. Um, I, I suppose you know, in, in the last thirty or so years, you know, um, you know, it's it's become almost fashionable. It's almost become cool to be Irish, but but it certainly wasn't that up until the seventies or eighties, even was it? No, you're absolutely right. Uh, but I, I also believe it wasn't reverse that changed that because a lot of it, like if we go back into it, it's briefly, we're all meant to feel ashamed of our Irish origins that we're aware we're the backwards. But there's nothing about the, the, the great clans, the great stories. Like the first book the English wrote was about a werewolf, where we had books of, you know, high, high in literature and poetry and so on and so forth. So there are two different languages, two different mentalities. Job on it. Do you live in Dublin now, Bernard? No, I'm, in, I'm, I'm up in Dublin for a while, part of a course. But, uh, oh, I see. It's uh, down to going back up again. Because I'm in Sligo again around the end of October, beginning of November, so we might meet up, who knows? Absolutely. I'll introduce you to Dylan Foley, also the archaeologist and historian. Um, 
Because I think, yeah, all these conversations will add up and they'll, they'll, they'll mean something eventually, I hope. Good. I wish you the very best to look with it. Likewise, my friend. Take care. All right. Thank you very much, Bernard. Bye. Thanks. Thanks. Take care. All the best to you. Bye-bye.